like your presence, Jesus.
changes things. Worship changes things. I'm the first one to tell you, prayer changes things. It can change things like this. I shouldn't even be here, but prayer changes things.
Hallelujah. Hey, you know what though? Man, it's 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 just like when you go to the gym, you start, you know, you start moving around, you start, you know, getting things going and you start sweating. You know, we come into the house of the Lord and we start worshiping and we're clapping our hands, we're excited, our you know, our, our body temperature just goes up. It gets a little warm. Gets a little warm. But but that's all right. We turned it down, so we'll all hold off here. Matthew chapter 18, verse 6 says, But who shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me? It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe unto the world because of offenses. For it must needs be that offenses come. But woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off and cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life halt or maimed, rather than having two hands or two feet and be cast into everlasting fire. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes and be cast into hellfire. Amen. Today I want to take just a few moments and I want to preach to you a message that I've titled Disarming the Snare. Let's, uh, let's put our Bibles down. Let's just uh, pray right now. Let's just ask God to anoint this message. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word. God, I thank you for this message that you have given to me today, God. I I pray, Lord, that you would anoint it, that you would move in our midst, God. Help me today to be able to, to speak, God, not just eloquent words, God, but words that would touch hearts, God. Lord, help me to speak according to your will, God. Lord, open our hearts, open our minds to receive from you, God, to hear what you would speak unto us today, God. Lord, we thank you for it. We give you praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Why don't you say so, say hello to someone at least around you before you see them this morning. You know, all this social distance. Oh. You know, so many times when we, um, when we, read this passage we talk about offenses and and about us you know getting offended someone coming up and, and saying something that offends us but as you really look at this uh this passage it's not exactly what offense is talking about here um so let, let's just begin this by by asking what is offense the the word offense is actually uh in the in the original text is uh, scandalon, or what we get our word scandal from. And it's probably a, a derivative of, a, of another word, uh, which actually meant, meant uh, a bent stick, which is something that they would use in setting a snare, setting a trap, and, or a, a, tra a trap stick, as it's called. And so uh, that, that word is, uh, Figuratively, is a, a snare, uh, or it is an offense is something that would cause someone to fall or to stumble 
uh, something that offends or, or is a stumbling block to someone. Have you ever had something that, that someone did that just kind of it just kind of set you off and it, it caused you not to to want to go back to a place to, to not want to be around that person you know sometimes you'll you'll uh, walk into a place of business and and just because of someone's attitude or, or because of the way they they treat you 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 know you're you're affected by that and you have a bad experience there and you don't want to go back they've offended you well, here the Bible is talking about scandals or something that is a snare or a trap that would uh, cause someone to fall into sin. A scandal means a circumstance or an action that offends propriety or, or whatever is proper or established moral con uh, conceptions or disgraces those associated with it. That's Webster's definition of this. So anything that would offend or, or would go against what is right and proper is a scandal. And so, you know, we, we can look around, we can see things that we, we would call scandalous. We, we see actions of different people, behaviors of different people, and we say, oh, that's scandalous because, you know, that would, you know, that goes against proper teaching. We see those things. Well, I, I want to talk to us a little bit about this. Now, I have not been a, uh, a great trapper. I don't know. Maybe some of you have, have had some more success at trapping than I have. I have set uh, traps for, uh, for fish, and I've been somewhat successful with those. I've set uh, traps for wild pigs. I've been successful with those. And, um, you know, I've, I've learned a few things about setting traps. And, you know, a couple, a couple things that I've learned in that is, number one, if you can, you would, you would want to disguise those. You, you want to try to hide them so that whatever animal you're trying to trap doesn't know that it's walking into a trap. You don't want to just take a, a, a big hog trap and set it out in the, you know, in the middle of a field and expect that the, the pigs are just going to wander over there and go, huh, what's this? Let me walk in here. But you want to put it someplace where they naturally would gather, a place where they would walk through. In doing that, you want to make sure that you don't have the, the scent of a, a natural predator. You want to make sure that you, you know, you don't have any uh, scent from a coyote that you're, you're tracking or, or, or dragging over there because then the pigs are going to smell that and they're going to walk away. And you want to put something there that's going to entice them. You want to put some bait there, something that will draw them in, something that will cause them to want to wander in there. And, and one of the things that, that, that was difficult for me to learn was patience because with a trap there may there may be a lot of times especially in trapping pigs they're they're herd animals they tend to move in, in what's called sounders the groups are are sounders and, and so they'll they'll move around together and generally you don't just see one long pig you'll see you know five or eight or ten or fifteen you'll see these big groups of them that move around and 
Very often, one pig will walk into a trap. And if you, if you leave it there to where it's set, uh, as soon as that first one walks in, you've missed catching all of those others. And so I, I've learned over the years that for the first you know, week or two, when you set that trap, you will just want to prop the door open and don't arm it. You want to put the, the corn in there or wh whatever you're using for bait and let them get comfortable in walking in to that trap. They walk in, they go in there, they eat a little bit of the bait, they feel comfortable, they turn around, they walk out, they begin to lose their fear of going into that trap. The other pigs see that, that one pig that walks into the trap and they go, wait a minute, they're getting all the food. I want some of that too. And, and they begin to go in there. And so it, you, you have to be patient with that. You have to take your time and allow that to, you know, to, to begin to become a comfortable place for that animal to move into. Once, once they begin to let their guard down, then you can arm that trap. And you set the, the, the trigger for that trap towards the very back of that trap so that it, it doesn't just you know, go off as soon as they walk in. But they have to move to the back, and that allows more of those animals to walk in. And you, if, if, you're, you know, if you've done it right, if, if you have a successful set, You'll end up catching four, five, six. I've seen traps where people have caught 15 or 20 pigs at one time. And it's, it, it's a successful trap if you will use those methods. Now, there's someone that has set traps for you and I. We know that the enemy of our soul would love to ensnare us with sin. And so it doesn't just bring it out there and, and just set these things and, and, you know, and make them obvious. But he tries to disguise it. He tries to entice us. He tries to get us comfortable. And then once we're there, then he'll, he'll snare us. And, and the ultimate goal is our destruction. Satan would love to destroy each and every one of us. And so we have to be aware of his devices. We have to be aware of what the enemy's trying to do. If you get caught in a trap, most of the time, that, that's a, a sure death sentence. Oh, there's, there's a few times where those things are used for relocating an animal, but most of the time, it means death. Now, if you remember a few weeks ago in our teaching, um, I, I, I mentioned the, the teachings of the Nicolaitans. Anybody remember me talking about that? We're talking about the Nicolaitans. Nicholas was one of the seven men that was chosen in Acts chapter 6 uh, to serve in the New Testament church along with Stephen and some of the others. He was, he was sent there. The, remember the, uh, the disciples there? The apostles, they were, they were uh, becoming so overburdened with having to uh, wait tables, if you will. They were having to serve in the church. That They weren't uh, able to spend their time in prayer and in ministry and doing the things that God had called them to do. And so they decided to choose seven men. 
Seven men that were, you know, upright, full of the Holy Ghost, good men that, that could serve in the church. So Nicholas was one of those men. And um, we see, as, as we begin to study a little bit about him, that Nicholas reacted to teachings that were brought into the church or that were being brought into the church that were overly strict, things that, that God had not intended to be requirements to be in his church. There were, there were people, that, uh, Jews, that were, that were trying to bring in teachings from the Jewish religion and, and the law and, and trying to put doc, make doctrines out of things that were ceremonial issues for the Jews and trying to say, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or not, if you want to be a part of the New Testament church, you have to abide by these things. And Jesus had never established them. He had never set those requirements. And so as they were trying to bring in this ultra-strict uh, set of rules, that, uh, Nicholas began to, to rebel against that. And he said, no, that's not right. And, and so he went to the other extreme. See, Nicholas was not a Jew. He was of another nation. He was a proselyte that had come in to this area. He had, he had, been, uh, he had been one to Christ, and he had, uh, he had received the Holy Ghost. He had uh, received the baptism. And he had converted to Christianity from uh, another nation where they had idolatrous practices. And so, no doubt, he was an idolater before he came to Christ. And so, he uh, resisted these, these new strict teachings, and he began to want to bring in some of the more lenient Things that he had understood, that, that he had practiced. Mm. <clears throat> he, he went the, the other way from where these Jews had done. Now, neither of these things aligned with Jesus' teaching. Nicholas's, the things that he tried to bring in, or the things that these Jews had tried to bring in. What were some of the things that, that uh, Nicholas tried to bring in? Two things were, uh, were very prevalent in, in what it was that he, uh, he was teaching, and they're addressed in the Word of God. Um, those two were, one of them was eating meat that was sacrificed to idols. He was saying that it was all right to go and do that. Okay? And um, the second thing that he wanted to bring into the church and he tried to start teaching in the church was that fornication as part of uh, religious worship. He, he wanted to bring that in as part of the religious service. Just like they did in the, the idolatrous temples, they would, have for, they would actually commit fornication in the temples of these idolatrous gods. And so Nicholas began to teach that, oh, yes, that's, that's something that we should do in the, in the church of God. Now, that's not pleasing to God in any manner. And so both of these, uh, both of these groups have things that, that, that were out of line. They, they both caused people to stumble and to fall away from God because of their teachings. And so what they were, what both of these groups were doing is, in a sense, they were setting a snare. 
They were setting a trap. Because they, what they were teaching did not align with the word of God. And so if it doesn't align with God's word, then it's coming from our enemy or Satan. It's the, that, that leading, that teaching, that direction is coming from the enemy of our soul. And so they were setting snares to try to trap people into, into what they wanted them to believe. And so those things had to be addressed. Um, these things, these things were, uh, are specifically the thing of uh, uh, Nicholas. It was addressed in Acts, the 15th chapter. They had uh, joined together. They had come up with a, uh, uh, they had a council. They talked about these. They talked about the teachings. And they came up with, with what would be right according to the word of God. So allow me here just to, to share some teaching. This was from Luke, the, the writer of Acts here. And it says, Then pleased the, the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, surnamed Barnabas, and Silas, chief men among the brethren. And they wrote letters by them after this manner. The apostle and elders and brethren send greeting unto the brethren, which are of the Gentiles in Antioch and, the, and Syria and Cilicia. So they're writing to non-Jewish believers that have been converted into this Christian faith. They received the teachings of Jesus. They received the Holy Ghost. That's who they're writing these things to. And so in verse 24, it says, For as much as we have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your souls, saying, Ye must be circumcised and, and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandments. So he's addressing, first off, those Jews that are saying, Listen, you know, they're trying to teach you that you all have to be circumcised. You all have to keep the, the Old Testament Jewish law. Jesus did not require that. That is not something that is required. Verse 25 says, It seems good unto us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have sent therefore Judas and Silas, which shall also tell you the same things by mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. Now they begin to address the teachings of the Nicolaitans as those the, the things that were necessary for them to send to them. And it says that ye abstain from meats offered to idols and from blood and from things, things strangled and from fornication, from which if ye keep yourself, ye shall do well. Well, farewell, or fare ye well. So when they were dismissed, they came to Antioch, and when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the epistle. And, and that was, that was uh, the, they, they said, listen, this is enough. If, if you... Realize that you don't have to be circumcised to be saved, and you don't have to fulfill and keep all of the Old Testament law. We can address that. And, and as far as the teachings of the Nicolaitans, don't eat the food offered to idols, you know, the blood and all of those things, and, and don't commit fornication. Those things are false teachings. Don't do that. They had to address them. They had to set them straight in order to disarm the snare that was being set for them. 
There were men that had to rise up and had to say, listen, here's what the Word of God says. And here's the truth. Because we need to hear the truth of the Word of God. Amen? Amen. 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 Now, um, Paul also addressed this, and I, I won't read it all. First Colossians chapter 8, you can read through that. Paul addressed these same things in his writings. And so, um, you know, what he began to talk about, especially when he was talking about the, uh, the, the meat that was sacrificed to idols, he said, listen, you know, you don't want to eat that. Not because that meat will, uh, will be a sin to you. Because meat is meat. There's, there's no sin in eating meat. That, that meat isn't anything that, that is sinful just because it was sacrificed to an idol. It hasn't transformed that meat into something bad. That meat is meat. But what you've got to do is you've got to look and see if you are seen in a place that's serving meat that's been sacrificed to idols, are you going to be associated with that? And then are, are others going to look and go, well, does he sacrifice this to idols? Or, or does she you know, offer these things to idols? Is, is that something that they're okay with? What, you know? And he said, you don't want to be a stumbling block. And so Paul began to explain that. He began to talk about the fact that, listen, we have to be careful in our lives. Some things that aren't necessarily sin to us, we, we really should abstain from those because we don't want to be a stumbling block or a harm to someone else that doesn't know truth. We want to be a light. We want to be a witness. We want to be able to, to, to be a good example for others. Can, can you imagine when you first came into the church if, if there were people that were, you know, they were parading around with, you know, and, and doing things that, that you recognized from the world as, as being a part of the world, and, and you were in the church now, and you're going, well, wait a minute, they're, they're still associated with this. How? How does that make? I thought we were supposed to separate ourselves from that. I, I thought we were supposed to be different. And, and they still associated with us. So that's what Paul was warning about there. So what are we to take from this teaching? What, what is the thing that we have to get a hold of here? Number one, we have to get a hold of the fact that we cannot add to or take away from the teachings of the Word of God Period. Whatever is in God's word, that's the word. I, I can't expand on it, and I can't erase it. I don't have the authority to do that. That would be just like a, a someone that is enforcing the laws of the United States of America, if they tried to do more than what the law said, they're out of line. Or if they tried to do less than what the law said, they're out of line. They need to follow the law. The law that is written. Now, you know, that's an imperfect law. And it's probably a terrible example because of all of the things going on in our nation right now. But hey, listen, we still live in a in, a, uh, in one of the best countries in the world. We, we still have freedoms that nobody else has. And I thank God for that. So I'm thankful for those things. But we have to realize that anything that perverts or changes the word of God 
is sinful. God does not want his word changed. His word, the way it is written, is perfect. It is the only thing that is written that is perfect. All of the others that are man-made, that are written by man, are flawed. But these were, were authored by the Holy Ghost, by God himself. Now, he moved on men to write these things, but they were, they were authored by God himself. Excuse me, I was mowing the grass yesterday, and so I'm, I'm dealing with all of that dust before the rains came. <laughs> um, so those things, the, our, our scriptures that we opened with, they talk about these offenses. Those are the traps that men set for us to try to ensnare us. These are the results of, of evil and the work of sin in their lives. So just like Luke addressed in Acts and Paul addressed in, in Corinthians, today we have to address these type of things. We have to be the ones that are like Paul and like Luke that stand up and address when people are trying to add to or take away from the word of God. We see, we see things happening today that in our society that are an outright contradiction to God's word. And I know that that doesn't come as a shock to any of you. There are things that, that 50 years ago would absolutely have never been allowed in any church, in any denomination in America. But there are things today that are being accepted, that are being allowed, that are, that are absolutely contrary to God's word. And I hate to say this, but in general, the church has stayed quiet about it. Some of them have even embraced some of these things and welcomed them in. They've gone in and, and, and changed their, uh, their, their bylaws for their church to accept these things. Things that are contrary to God's word because they, they didn't want to be called out by the world as, as not being a, a loving person or, or one that is accepting of people because of their choices. There are some choices that you can make that really I don't care about. I mean, if you want to, you know, you, you want to wear red, you want to wear I'm wearing red today. You want to wear purple? You want to wear different colors? You know what? That mean a thing to me. The Bible doesn't speak about that. There's some people that get hung up. I can remember growing up, my, my pastor that I grew up under, he never would have let me in the pulpit dressed like this. I didn't have a tie on, and I did not have a long sleeve white shirt on. And if you didn't have those things, bless God, you were not getting in the pulpit, and, and you really needed to be at the altar. Because there must be sin in your life. You're wearing a red shirt. Man, I, I've been to churches that, you know, if, if a lady walked in and had a red dress on, whoo, man, I knew what the sermon was going to be about that night. Because he, man, as soon as he saw them walk in, 
he changed his notes. He was there. He was ready to preach. Oh, you know, that's a sin. You shouldn't wear that. that man, that, that's the, the color of a harlot. You shouldn't be dressing like a harlot. I mean, they would go crazy over these things. You know what? The Word of God never calls any of that out. God doesn't care about the color of your dress. or, or it, Honestly, God doesn't care if I wear a tie or if I don't. I'm the only one that cares whether I wear a tie or I don't. Hopefully it doesn't offend any of you. And, and I don't want to be a stumbling block. If it offends you, you need to come tell me. And I'll pray. I, no. <laughs> uh, but you know, there are some choices that are against God's word, and we have to take a stand for them. There are some some things that have gotten away from even the uh, you know from from the the church world today. Some some of even the most basic things from the Word of God, churches have turned away from, and they they have allowed those things, and they they they've just said you know that just yeah it doesn't really matter. Well, if it's written in the Word of God, it matters. We should we should be obedient to God's Word. Those things that, that we've gotten away from, we have to be concerned about those, and, and, and we have to address those. Those things can't, can't be allowed to remain because they will bring harm. If we look, even though Paul and Luke both address the teachings of the Nicolaitans, we can see that in the book of Revelation, when John is writing there and he's talking about the seven churches, the Lord, as, he's, as the Lord is giving this vision to John, he calls out the seven churches and he talks about the teaching of the Nicolaitans and how he hates those things. And he has, you know, he, he took issue with the uh, churches for allowing those things to remain and, and not calling them out and not stopping them and saying, no, that is sin. And I believe that, that God, we're, can I just talk to you today? I, I just, the Lord put something on my heart this morning. And, and you know, I'm, I'm trying to dance around this. I'm trying to be, you know, gentle. I'm trying to be unoffensive. But you know what? I, I just need to speak clearly this morning. to be caught up in false teaching. When we read the word of God, that is our measuring stick. That's what we have to measure our life up to. And, and we can't allow ourselves to be caught up with the, the, the winds of, of political correctness or of, or of societal opinion. Those things can change. Those things are, are, are set and, and the tides are turned in those by the whim of man. And we can't allow that to be the measuring stick of our life. 
The measuring stick that we are going to be judged by, that everyone is going to be judged by, is God's Word. And we have to make sure that we measure up to God's Word. We have to be willing to stand up and, and to declare the Word of God without fear or without favor. As I was writing that down, I, I thought about it, and I thought, you know, the fear part I understand, and that's pretty clear. The, the, when, when Paul and, and, and Luke both addressed the, the not eating of the, uh, the, the meats that were sacrificed to idols, that was a big issue in those days because of the fact that that meant that most of the public festivals that were held, they couldn't go to. Because those public festivals were that, of that day were celebrations to a, a, a false god. And so the food that they would serve there was food that had been sacrificed to that god. And so that meant that, hey, our, our entertainment that we were going to, you know, that, that fair or that festival that we were going to go to this weekend, we better not go to that because I don't want to be associated with that crowd. I don't want people that know I'm a Christian, I don't want them to recognize that, hey, listen, I'm going to a festival that honors, you know, the, this, this false sun god or this false god of fertility or this false god of the harvest or this false god of whatever. And so it affected their daily life. It affected them in a personal and a real way. And today... Now, we don't have necessarily uh, uh, weekly festivals or, or these certain festivals where they, they do open idol worship. But there's some things that as saints of God, as Christians, we don't need to be associated with. Mm. Lord help me. I'm fixing to dive into the deep end, guys. <laughs> but you know what? I feel that we need to hear this. I, I, I promise I'm not here to offend anyone today, but I do feel that I need to preach the truth. Mm. We are facing some times in our nation, and, and, that I, and I've said it before and I'll say it again, that we're on the verge of reaching a tipping point. To where there's, we're, we're going to go over the edge and there's no return. If we don't have men and women, children of God, that will stand up and say, no, that is not right. Amen. No, that is sin. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter how you feel about these things. What does the word of God say? Woo, hallelujah. Mm. See, we are not at war with men. And that's where this—that's where the, the enemy has tried to has tried to to divert the attention and say that if you don't agree with these things that I'm that I'm putting out there, you're 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 just a hateful person. You just hate the person. We don't hate people. We're not at war with people. It's a spiritual warfare that we're in. 
Ephesians 6 and 12. We quote this scripture so often, but let, let me just talk to you about this for a minute. It says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, now in that, in that, that that we wrestle against, no, we're not hateful to people. We're, it's, it's not sinful men that, that we're fighting against. We're fighting against Satan, the enemy of our soul. We're, it's a, a, an evil spiritual force that we're battling against. If, if we really want to make a difference in this world, we can't do it through marches. We can't do it through rioting. We can't do it through the voting box. I know that's gonna. I know that's gonna. You know, just really step on some people's toes. Some people that are that are viewing this will probably go, "Oh, but we need to vote." I, I didn't say we don't need to vote, but we can't vote America back into a moral condition. That's right. 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 Amen. I, I've not yet met a, a or or heard of any candidate that really aligns completely with the morality of the word of God. Amen. When we vote, we, we really are, are, are voting for the person that is maybe, you know, the, the lesser of two evils. All right, I'm losing people. I, I already feel it. Listen, this is not political here today, okay? I'm not here to, to talk politics because that's not it. I, I'm here to tell you that politics can't change America. Amen. Men can't change America. But if you notice in this scripture that we that we talked about, it talks about against principalities and against powers. Those are both things that can apply both to a spiritual realm and also to men and women. Here, there are human beings that are allowing the spirit of the enemy to work through them. The, the word power there is, is a word that it, it talks about a delegated authority. So when, when Satan wants to get his plan across, sometimes he has to move in the hearts of men and, and use them to accomplish his will. And so there's some men and some women out there that are that are operating as powers of darkness right now. They're allowing the spirit of Satan to work through them and to use them to set snares for your soul. Now listen, just because you're here this Sunday morning, just because maybe you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, I don't want you to think that there's not a snare out there with your name on it. That's right. We constantly have to be aware. Amen. That's why it's important for us to be renewed in the Holy Ghost. That's why it's important for us to have a prayer life. That's why it's important for us to study the Word of God so that we know what truth is. Oh. It's time that the church begins to stand up and declares what is right in the sight of God. I can tell you there's there's a, a movement right now that is going on that absolutely drives me crazy. 
And, and there are so many people that have bought into this movement. Let me just tell you this morning that in the sight of God, all lives matter. Amen. Okay? I don't believe that there is any person in their right mind that is in favor of police brutality. I don't believe that there is a person that is in their right mind that is in the, the laws overstepping their authority. I don't believe that any, any right-minded saint of God believes that there is one race, one gender, one color, one group of people that is any better than the other. We are all created in God's image. Amen. We are all the children of God. And every one of our lives matter. And there, there, there are well-intentioned people out there that, that are standing up for a cause. And, and I believe in a cause that, that all lives ought to be equal. Oh, but see, Satan, Satan has been at work even in some of these causes. And he is trying to, to bring snares there. Because if you dig into those things, you dig into what's going on, it's not just that black lives matter. Those, those causes are trying to, trying to undermine the government, trying to, to break down the rule of law, trying to, to disarm the, the police across our nation. If you look where that has happened in history, you see that that's what happened in Nazi Germany before the Nazis came in. That's what's happened in other places before the fall and the destruction of those nations. The enemy sees that. The enemy knows that without some sort of rules of law, that anarchy reigns. And, and, and in those times, Satan, his, his, his will, his work, just explodes and begins to grow because you've got lawlessness. That's confusion. God has not authored confusion. God is a God of order. He is a, a, a God of, of, of laws. He has established and, and, and set things in place. Oh, we need men and women of God that will stand up and say, listen, there's a, there, there's a greater a greater power that's at work and, and what we're what we're we're seeing today. We've still got Satan that is trying to destroy lives. Mm. The word of God has not changed at all. Since since the very beginning of time. God has remained same, the same, even before time existed. God was God, and he's not changed. The scripture says there's no shadow of turning in him. So when we look at the scriptures and, and we see what God is saying, we have to realize as the church that it's our responsibility, it's our duty to stand up and say, no, we can't support this. We can't be in favor of that. We, we, we can't allow these things because they're contrary to God's word. Our 
our public school system and our universities have become bastions for teaching things that are contrary to God's word. And we as Christians need to stand up and say so. Our public school systems, it started out years and years, and I'm, I'm sure there were things before I, you know, before I was even born that they were teaching that didn't align just 100% with the Word of God. But I can remember when they started teaching evolution in the public schools, and that does not line up with the Word of God. But there's so many, so many people that have just kind of said, well, you know, that's that's not so important. We can, you know, they can teach that. And I'll, I'll just tell my kids, you know, no, the Bible says God created. But we have generations now that have been taught that to where people look at the word of God and, and the, the story of creation and they laugh at that. And they say, oh, that's a joke. That, that could never happen. There's nobody out there that could speak and the world could be formed. And I believe this, this evolution junk. I, I believe that over the word of God. Even though science has even gone, you know, gone through all the steps to prove that there's no way evolution could have happened. That could not have, have, have been what formed us. But they've bought into that lie because they have been taught that for so long. It's moved on from there to, you know, I mean, till today, the things that are going on in our public school system are absolutely abhorrent to God. We've got to stand up, church. We have to say and be those those voices because if we're not those voices who is going to disarm the snares of Satan who is going to be the one that is going to be the protection for those to, to call out where the traps are that the enemy is trying to set for people listen murder is still murder God hasn't changed that scripture says thou shalt not kill he hasn't changed that at all and it doesn't matter who you're killing. It's human life. It doesn't matter whether it's an unborn child or whether it's a, a, an elderly person that, that is at the end of their life. You know what? They're both lives. And God says, don't take those lives. Amen. Our society has, has become accepting of, well, you know, you're, you're getting older. Let's just not worry about doing uh, you know, too much uh, medical stuff for you. Oh, yeah. Some of you laugh about that. I, I, I've talked to my mom and dad, and, and, and you know, they're, they're both up in their 80s. My dad's 88, my mom's 80. And they, they talk to me every day about how they, they've noticed that they go to the, you know, they go to the doctor and, and, you know, they have a heart condition or they have this thing going on. They have, you know, all of these different medical issues and the doctors are like, well, you know, let's just, uh, let's just give it a little time and, and you know, and, and, and let's just see what happens. Really? How about no? We've got some, some good medicine out there. We've got some, you know, some surgical options. How about that? Oh, well, you know, I, uh, let's just wait. Let's just hold on. Listen, I, 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 think, that, I think that every life is important. I, I think that, that, you know, we need to adhere to the word of God that murder is murder. 
and, and we shouldn't be participating in it in, in any means. There are countries in this world where, you know, there's assisted suicides. That's still murder. world can say what they want. Church, I told you I'm just going to be a little plain with you this morning. But God created man and woman. Amen. Okay? That's right. God was very clear. He, he, he pointed that out in his word, that he created man and woman. He, he, didn't, he did not create gender-neutral people. And, and what you're born is what you are. That's right, this world can say whatever it wants. Say, oh, well, I'm going to leave it up to my child to decide. It was decided for them when they were born. That's right. And you know what? Even if you go have gender reassignment surgery and you have, you know, you do all this hormone therapy and all that, all you've done is mutilated what God has created. And you're still a man or you're still a woman. Amen. It doesn't change who you are. Amen. Our, our, our schools have opened up this this whole uh, this whole garbage can of nonsense with gender and you know it, it all depends on what the child says that it is no it doesn't it does not and and, and parents that I'm just gonna you know I'm just gonna be playing Parents that allow that nonsense to happen, they're not being good parents. They, they need to step back and realize that, listen, God put you in that child's life to teach and to direct and, and, and to give guidance. And you're doing that nonsense, you're allowing someone that doesn't have the reasoning capacity, doesn't have the full, fully developed brain to make decisions in their life that are going to affect them forever. What kind of a good parent is that? You ought to be arrested for child endangerment. Amen. 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 I'm sorry. Hallelujah. Just, mm. we, we cannot be gender neutral. Listen, lying is still sin. The word of God says that lying is sin and it doesn't matter how big a lie or how small a lie. Sin is sin and lying is sin. And in this and, and in our society today, lying is absolutely nothing. There, there are people that that, you know, they can't go a day without lying. I've met some people and it doesn't seem like they can go 30 minutes without lying. And it's a sin. It shouldn't be. We should be truthful people that when, when we speak something, people ought to be able to stand on that and count on that and go, that is going to be, to the best of their knowledge, exactly what it is. When, when we look at, at, at people that are, that are going into, into courtroom situations and they're openly perjuring themselves, they're lying because there's a political agenda. Listen, it's a lie. Stop lying. Amen. The Word of God addresses that. It says that we can't uh, falsely uh, accuse our brothers and sisters. We can't bear false witness against our neighbors. 
It's sin and it's a trap of the enemy that will lead you to destruction. God ordained marriage as a, a union between a man and a woman. Amen. Why have we allowed the world to say, oh no, we can, yeah, we can have same-sex marriages. No, that's not what God just, uh, set that up in place for. Number one, homosexuality is against the word of God. God, just, God made woman for man. That's what the scripture says. And he made man for woman. It's, it's a fit. That's his plan. Two men don't fit. Two women don't fit. It's not right. That's against the word of God. something and, and in the course of that he began to talk to me and he began to, to spew all of this hatred and I, 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 wanted the, I wanted the conversation and the transaction to end as quickly as possible because there was something inside of me that was just, it was uncomfortable it went against my spirit something that, that I, I recognized as being so, so wrong I looked at this man, and you know he's there with his young daughter, and and you know uh, they seem like normal people, but he's spewing such hatred. I look down, and and, and he's got his this belt buckle, and the man had an unusual first name, and so you know when I saw this belt buckle, and it has his first name across the top of the belt buckle, and then a, a big swastika underneath it. I was like, you know, that's not something you just went and bought off the shelf. That was something that you had to have made for you. you you've got such a hatred in your heart that you'll go and, and, and have something made like that. You'll, you'll parade it around to, to advertise to everybody that you, that you have such hatred. Listen, that's not right. 
We are all God's children. There should be love one for another. That's what the Word of God says. We cannot love God and hate our brothers and sisters. That's what the Word says. If we're going to say that we love God, you better check your heart and make sure that you love other people too. Listen, these riots and these takeovers that are going on, they're, they're wrong. They're wrong. It's, 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 it's all being handled the wrong way because in those we're trying to fight against man. And it's not man that we're fighting against. We are not at war with each other. We're at war with sin. That's what it is that we battle. We battle sin. Every day we're confronted with sin. It's in our face. And we as Christians need to stand up and, and, and start standing against the sin. But listen, this is not a call to arms. It's a call to prayer. I, I am not some militant preacher saying, oh, we need to go out there and we need to start protesting. No, we don't. We need to start hitting our knees and calling on God. Sin can't remain in that house. Amen. 
We've got to turn back to the Word of God. We've got to be renewed daily in the Holy Ghost. That's the only answer for peace and equality and right things in this world. See, man's desire to rule over the other person, to, uh, to rule over someone else, that's not God's will either. God teaches us that we're supposed to have a servant spirit. The, the scripture talks about those that are the greatest among you should be the lowest of servants. We should be the servant of all. This world, you don't hear anybody saying, oh, you, you really need to aspire to be a servant. That's what God says. God's word says you really need to aspire to be like him and, and to serve others, to, to sacrifice yourself and to be a servant to others. This world says, no, you got to climb. It doesn't matter who you step on to get to the top, but you got to get to the top. you got to be the head. And the Lord said that if you want to be the head, you need to be the servant. You need to take on the form of a servant. That's why Jesus Christ came. He didn't, he didn't come as a, a king. He didn't come as some great powerful ruler. He didn't come as a great and mighty warrior. He could have been any of those things. But he came as a lowly carpenter's son. He came as a, a, a man of, of, of low value. He came serving all of those that were around him. He, he, never, he never built up great wealth for himself. He didn't have anything. He, he, he did things for others. He, he gave himself. He sacrificed himself. Oh, and thank God that he sacrificed himself for you and me so that we could be redeemed. Oh, hallelujah. today is that somehow we will we will examine we'll we'll look at our own lives look at our families' lives look at what's going on make sure that that what we're supporting what we're what we're uh, being a part of that it lines up with the word of God that we align ourselves with God's word and that it doesn't just stop with us but that we allow ourselves to become vessels to disarm the snares of the enemy. That's what God desires us to be. Is when, when he said that we are children of light, he talks about us being light into a dark world. At night, when those snares are set, you can't see them. Oh, but when the daylight comes, you can walk down the path and you can go, there's one, there's one. We're walking in a dark world and we're called to be light. And so wherever we need to go, we need to illuminate that area that is around us so that those that are walking with us can say, ooh, there's a snare, I better step over here. 
Oh, hallelujah. If you're here today and, and you've not received the Holy Ghost, you need the Holy Ghost. If you haven't repented of your sins and been baptized in Jesus' name and been filled with the Spirit of God, you need that because we need the Holy Ghost to be able to be successful, to be able to walk and, and to live in this world and to live above sin and, and to have victory over these things. You need that in your life. And if you're here today and you want that, today it's available to you. Right now, I, I just want to ask us all just to, to lift our hands right where we're at. As they begin to sing, I want us to, to just begin to worship God. Hallelujah. Let God begin to, to move in you. Let the Holy Ghost begin to work in you. And just, get, just let God use you to be what he's called you to be. Let the truth of God's word begin to minister to you and to talk to you.
sisters in the Lord that are there for us also. I thank God for all that he has done for us. I pray today that God will just continue to move in you, continue to bless you, continue to direct you. Thank you for being here. We want to just dismiss you right now in the name of Jesus as we pray. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done, God. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your love, God. I pray today, God, that you would just move among us. God, let your word accomplish its work. Let it go before us. God, just keep us safe. Protect us. Lead us and guide us in what you would have for us, God. Thank you for it. We ask it all in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Lord bless you. You're dismissed today.